Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. Hello, everyone in podcast land. Welcome to this week's episode. Today, we're talking about the OnePlus 10T, which could be a return to OnePlus's roots. We talk about the Asus Zenfone 9, a big chip in a little phone. And we talk about changes to the Instagram algorithm to make it more and more like TikTok. All right. So topic number one, OnePlus recently came out with their new phone, their new update to their 10 series phone. They've come out with the OnePlus 10T. There's a lot of interest and takes on this phone. Now to start off, it's uh, it's based off the 110. So design is pretty identical to it. It does have an upgraded Snapdragon chip though. So it has the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 comes with up to 16 gigabytes of RAM. The display is pretty much the same, but the OnePlus 10 Pro has a rounded edge to the screen. This one has a flat screen. It's a 6.7 inch 1080p AMOLED with a 120 hertz refresh rate. The camera bump kind of blended into the back of the phone on the OnePlus 10 Pro. They've kind of smoothed out some more edges to the phone. So it's an interesting design, I guess, choice. One interesting thing about the camera, though, is I remember what the OnePlus 9, they were making a big deal about their partnership with Hasselblad. Um, they entered into a three-year contract. So I think right now we're in the year two of the three-year contract, but this phone isn't showing any Hasselblad branding. So people are kind of speculating if there's some sort of turmoil in their relationship between Hasselblad and OnePlus, or could just be this is their... I guess more budget phone is what it seems like. They've, you know, taken some specs down apart from the the system on a chip, they've taken some specs down, but they're saying maybe to bring the cost of the phone down, we're not going to put the Hasselblad brand in. We're not going to use the Hasselblad color signs. We're not going to use the Hasselblad app on this phone. It has a pretty decent sized battery, 4,800 milliamp hours. But one interesting thing about the battery technology is so it's a, a 4800 dual cell battery and it comes with a 160 watt charger but in north america it peaks at 125 watts which is still pretty fast it will charge from zero to 100 percent in 20 minutes now internationally i think in europe it can charge up to 150 watts so it could be zero to 100 even faster than that depending on what region you're in but no wireless charging. Like I said, it's a bit more budget. They're taking a few things out of it. One controversial thing about it is they have removed the historic notification slider from OnePlus. Every OnePlus phone has had on the right side a slider where, okay, if it's all the way up, your phone is just regular volume. You slide to the middle, it's silent, but it vibrates. Slide it all the way down, completely silent. It's very similar to how Apple has their notification slider on the left, whereas that's just up and down. There's three settings on OnePlus. Everyone's loved the slider who's had a OnePlus phone. So it's kind of surprising that they've gotten rid of it. And finally, the price. So the OnePlus 10 Pro, it started at $899. It's you know, dropped down in price. You could probably get it for about $799 now. This OnePlus 10T is starting at $649. So it's not the 10 
Pro T. It's just the 10T, so it's an upgrade to the regular OnePlus 10. But it's a much, or not much, it's a marginally better chip for cheaper price. And depending on, you know, I guess what kind of specs you look for, if you look for the Hasselblad brand, and if you want a curved edge display, if you want a 1440p display, this may or may not be worth it for you. But, you know, from what you've seen of reviews of the phone, of unboxings, what you've read about the phone, what are your thoughts on this OnePlus 10T? Yeah, so it's funny. I think uh, for a while, OnePlus kind of confused people with their their branding. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this is the 10T. This isn't, there's no pro in the name of this device, uh, which is indicative of what this device act- actually is. And it's honestly not that far off from what they've done in the past. So, for example, in the past, they would have, let's say, like a OnePlus 8. And the regular OnePlus 8 wouldn't come to North America. It would only be in certain markets. And then they'd bring out the more expensive OnePlus 8 Pro in North America. And you couldn't get the base model there because they knew that, you know, people in that type of market were willing to spend more for a phone. And it kind of started this fragmentation of the OnePlus line where certain markets would get the more flagship killer traditional OnePlus type of phone. And in the North American markets, you'd only get the pro flagship priced phones. So, you know, what they've been doing is, you know, usually halfway through the product lifecycle, they'll release a T-line. And this goes all the way back to the original OnePlus, which I'll get to in a second. But the what they did here is, okay, they originally brought out the 10 Pro, which is their flagship device. It's going to be a very expensive, much more expensive device than, than OnePlus has been in the past. And instead of bringing out a 10T Pro, which would be almost identical to the to the 10 Pro in every way, except for a slight uh, chip bump for potentially even more money than you would have played for the 10 Pro. They just said, okay, let's bring out a T version of the base model and have it be $150 less than the 10 Pro, which I think is a pretty smart move. So essentially you're getting the more base model version of the phone that came out earlier in the year, which I understand can seem a little bit strange because usually when you bring out a new phone, you know, six months to eight months after the original phone came out, it should be an upgrade. But no, in this case, it is actually a downgrade from that phone. So like you mentioned, there is no Hasselblad uh, branding on the cameras and the cameras are worse. Uh, but I think that's by design. This, If the original 10 came out, it wouldn't have had those either uh, because it wasn't designed to be, oh, okay, you're going to take the best pictures with this and, you know, you're going to have the coolest design with the curved screens. Um, now... I think this is a, a decent move for OnePlus. I I still think their phones are a little bit uh, up there in price. I would have loved for them to go for a mid-range chip and and kind of bring the price down even more because, I don't know, I, I've always said I don't think these, these one, uh, 8-gen, 1-plus, whatever, chips that they're putting into these phones is all that necessary. I think it's more of just a marketing thing than it is real-world performance. Uh but, you know, they, they definitely hit the marks on what you'd want from this phone. So, you know, it's a 6.7-inch display, 120 hertz, like you mentioned, not LTPO. So it, it doesn't automatically wind all the way down to, like, no motion whatsoever when nothing's happening. It's still going to be, you know, between the maybe, I don't know, 60 to 120 hertz or whatever kind of range they decide uh, works for this particular display. But, you know, still a high refresh rate screen that you don't get on uh, something like the the i was going to say nexus the pixel the pixel 6a 
so you know a little bit better there. But like the Pixel 6a, you still don't get any uh, wireless charging. And like you mentioned, they removed the alert slider. So this is an interesting thing. There actually has been a phone from OnePlus that hasn't had an alert slider. Really? And it was the original OnePlus One. The original OnePlus One had no alert slider on it. And it wasn't until the OnePlus One's mid-refresh, uh, which was the OnePlus X, which is a forgotten phone that uh, did really poorly, but it was essentially a smaller OnePlus One that was designed almost like an iPhone 4, where they originally introduced the alert slider. So the actual original OnePlus One never had an alert slider, and it was from the OnePlus X going forward that they did introduce the alert slider. Uh, and, you know, every phone up until now has had it since then. And yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of the sentiment around that. I think that is a little bit of a mistake. Uh, I, I've said the same thing with the headphone jack whenever a company says, oh, we're saving the space for something stupid. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, well, yeah, these things were actually useful uh, that people used every day. Uh, and it, I think it's a lot more beneficial to have something like an alert slider and a headphone jack than for whatever kind of random, oh, you get an extra 20 watts of, of, of fast charging. Oh, great. That's fantastic. It's not really all that useful. Um, especially like you mentioned how in some markets you can't even take full use of the full SuperVoop charging. So yeah, it's this phone I think is, is it just goes back to, I feel like OnePlus is confused and they make good phones, but I don't know if they really know who they're targeting anymore. Because if they really wanted to go back to the flagship killer, they would do what nothing is doing and have a, an aggressively priced phone uh, for the the real mid-range. Because this is still kind of a premium mid-range phone. It's not really, you know, competing with the 6As and the and the the nothing phones and the Galaxy A series. It's still competing with the more expensive uh, phones on the market. So, you know, I, I think for a lot of people... It, it just makes it harder to decide whether or not to get a OnePlus 10 Pro or a OnePlus 10T because there's a $150 difference, but one has a better processor and the other one has a better camera. It's like, it, I don't know. For me, I think it's a little confusing. But yeah, I, I think uh, OnePlus definitely needs to work on their lineup a little bit better and make it a little bit more of a clear distinction and potentially even kill the Nord line going forward so that there's less phones and more of a, this is the mid-range, this is the budget, this is the high-end instead of having a bunch of phones that really uh, jumble up that, that kind of distinction. But I don't know. I, I think I'm a little bit lower on this phone than than a lot of people out there. Uh, but I'm curious, how do you feel about this phone, especially as we talked about you know, the budget phones like the Nothing phones and the 6As that have come out recently? Uh, so compared to, I guess, other phones around this price, I'm not too high on it. I think, you know, when we... As you mentioned, when we talked about the Pixel 6a last week, that kind of hits the sweet spot for what people want in a phone, or at least what I want in a phone. There's a lot that I like about this OnePlus phone. I like the design. Eh, it's it's an okay design. 6.7-inch screen, maybe a little bit big for my liking. But I like the fact that it's, let's say, an upper mid-range phone with a Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1. Very fast chip. Has a pretty decent screen, 1080p, 120 hertz refresh rate, I like. 4,800 milliamp hour battery is a very decent size, a very good size battery. And the fast charging, even though we can't, you know, we wouldn't be able to get the whole 160 watts or 150 watts 
zero to 100% in 20 minutes is very fast and could be yeah. very useful. I'm typically someone that, you know, charges my phone overnight, so I don't have my phone die during the day. But the fact that, hey, maybe if I forget to charge it, if something happens and I just need a quick top-up and I could have a full phone in 20 minutes, that's a pretty big deal. This phone really shines to me when you compare it to the OnePlus 10 Pro, which is a more expensive phone and you don't get the same performance. And even when you look at the OnePlus 10 Pro, right, if you look at the camera, which is, okay, big Hasselblad, Brandon and everything, it wasn't the best camera on a smartphone. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, you're paying less for this phone, but you you get better performance. You still get really good battery. You still get a good screen. And you lose a bit in the camera, but if you're getting a OnePlus device, you were never really getting it for the camera. If you compare this to something, let's say like the Pixel 6a, which is $449 compared to $649, that phone blows this one out of the water, for me at least. Mm -hmm. Because you get that stock Android experience. Not to say that this OnePlus 10T has a lot of bloatware. It doesn't. It has pretty clean software. But you're going to get Android features faster than this. It doesn't have a Snapdragon, but Google Tensor is a very powerful chip. And you still get 1080p screen. You still get an amazing camera, one of the best cameras in a smartphone. So for the stuff that I look for in a, in a phone, this isn't $200 better than the Pixel. Maybe, I don't know, if I was a competitive phone gamer, then maybe I'd say, hey, I have to get the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1. But if I really did want that, I would probably go for a different phone than the OnePlus 10T. So it's a nice phone. I like the fact that it is less expensive than the 10 Pro, which it should be. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I hope this is OnePlus saying, all right, we're going to walk things back a bit. I'm not saying OnePlus is going 100% back that route, but hopefully this means that, okay, we're taking a step towards that. Maybe we won't get all the way down to, you know, $300 phones, but the fact that they're going a bit towards that direction, I think is a good sign. And maybe they do clean up their lineup a bit. Maybe they get rid of the Nord line and they just make all their phones more affordable. You know, that would be something cool to see. But it's a good phone, not uh, not a great phone. But speaking of great phones, I think there was another phone that you kind of brought up to me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the phone that I think also uses the 8 Plus Gen 1 and I think does it much better is the Asus Zenfone 9, uh, which is a phone just brought up from Asus. It's kind of like the more mainstream version of the the ROG phone that they uh, released not too long ago, and we also talked about on the podcast. But this is a phone that is 799, 799 USD. Like I mentioned, uses the 8 Plus Gen 1, also has a high refresh rate screen and a 4,300 milliamp hour battery but in a much, much more compact design. Uh, it actually kind of has a little bit of an iconic design. It's it's a smaller phone, and it has these two big camera modules on the back. Uh, and it's overall, in my opinion, a pretty impressive phone. Uh, Performance-wise, you know, it's rare we get flagship-level performance in a small form-factor phone. And... Uh, not only has Asus usually done that with the Zenfone Zen 9, 
you know, their mainstream phones are generally smaller or more compact. In the past, they've done a really cool thing where they had the rear camera flip around and become the selfie camera. Not going to that level here, but still a really compact uh, phone has, you know, has a bit of bezels, but the bezels are, are still quite small with a hole punch camera. And yeah, I think it's just, it's it's $150 more than the OnePlus 10T. But overall, I think for the money, it's definitely a much more interesting uh, phone. And I think that understands that it has a market that is trying to reach. It's trying to reach people who really want a flagship phone, but also want a small phone, which is so hard to come by these days. I would definitely recommend if anyone hasn't checked it out, because it. this is the problem with the Zenfone line, is that if you're outside of Europe or Asia, it can be hard to come across these phones. But really, they... Like we talked about with the ROG phones, they really knock it out of the park uh, with these devices that we just unfortunately don't get to see uh, that often. But yeah, this is a, a premium phone, you know, kind of launching around the same time as the 10T. And in my opinion, I think the the Zenfone 9 kind of stole stole that thunder a bit. Uh, you know, it has a, a 5.9-inch screen as opposed to the 6.7-inch the on the 10T which, like you mentioned, 10T seems a little bit big. This is, I think, a really great size. We also saw this with Samsung bringing their phone sizes down a bit. Um, but yeah, I, my question is, have you seen the Zenfone 9 at all? What do you think about it if you have? Do you like the design? And how do you think it compares to the slightly cheaper uh, uh, OnePlus 10T? I have seen it. I like the design. Uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but it has a bit of a soft touch plastic to the back of it. Mm -hmm. Supposed to, you know, most phones are either glass or some sort of glossy plastic that's made to feel like glass and look like glass. This is like a soft matte finish to it. Comes in some pretty bright colors. It comes in a they're called in sunset red, starry blue, midnight black, which isn't very colorful, and uh, <laughs> moonlight white. But I like the soft touch back into phones. I think if you're going to go plastic, don't make it look like glass. Don't make it slippery. Give us mm -hmm. soft touch plastic. I think this is personally, this is a better phone for me than the OnePlus 10T. You know, it is more expensive, but has the same chip. Not as big as you mentioned, 5.9 inches. It still has 120 hertz display. And the reason I keep on bringing this up, right, is because last week when we were talking about the Pixel 6a, Yes, it has a fast processor, but the fact that it has a slow screen means everything seems slow. These two phones that we're talking about, they have fast processors and they have fast screens, which means they feel very fast and they are fast. But more importantly, they feel fast. Mm -hmm. Has a big battery too, 4,300 milliamp hours, so not 4,800. Unfortunately, only 30 watt charging only. You know, not 125 watt fast charging, but it has a couple enthusiast, you know, a couple phone enthusiast things like headphone jack. I'm yes. Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there who are tired of hearing us talk about the headphone jack. Anytime <laughs> a phone in 20, in like, I don't know what, 2018 onward has a headphone jack. I'm going to mention it because yeah. you should have a headphone jack. Like there's. Yes, everyone's getting Bluetooth. Yes, everyone's this, that, and the other. But there's no reason not to have one. You don't save that much. You don't add that much in terms of water resistance or batteries or whatever 
excuses they come up with, it's not worth it. A compact form, like you mentioned, and it has a fingerprint sensor built into the power button on the side of the phone. So no under display fingerprint sensor, no notch cutout so you can have, you know, your face identification. What people have been saying Apple should do for years, put the fingerprint scanner in the power button on the side of the phone. Makes so much sense. But put the fingerprint sensor there. The power button also can be used for gestures. So it's fully programmable or it's very programmable. You can program a short press to open up one app. You can do a long press for another app. You can do a double tap for another app. You can even swipe up and down on the side of the power button and it will scroll up and down on your device. You can swipe down to pull down your notifications. Just a ton of features, which I haven't seen in a while. I think, you know, Samsung may have done it like their, I don't know, maybe like their S7 or S8 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since a phone has done this, or a mainstream phone has done this sort of thing. So I think, I think this phone has a lot to offer. Fast performance, compact size, fast screen, the enthusiast stuff like the headphone jack, like the fingerprint sensor on the side, and all the you know the functionality that that brings, like the soft touch finish on the back of the phone, and this has a better camera in comparison. OnePlus 10T. Now, I haven't seen it. I haven't used it. But from reviews that I've seen, they use the same sensor. They use the same chip, right? The same Snapdragon chip. But whatever Asus is doing with their image processing, with their color science, it produces better pictures out of their cameras. Mm -hmm. And surprisingly enough, you know, you mentioned this is sort of like their toned down version of the ROG phone. It uses the same sensor and chip as the ROG phone, but the Zen phone produces better pictures too, which is Mm -hmm. kind of strange, right? It's the same company. Everything else is the same, but this is their more mainstream phone. And maybe it's because, hey, mainstream people care about their cameras. They don't care about how many RGB lights you have on the back of the phone or how many air triggers or the cooler that you can add (laughs) onto the back. They just want to take good photos of stuff. So Mm -hmm. maybe they've, you know, shifted some of their game and expertise and reallocated that to camera expertise. But yeah, this is an all around very good phone. I think a lot of people are high on it. A lot of people are uh, enthusiastic about this phone. And yeah, I don't know if you, if I had to choose between this and the one plus 10 T assuming I had the extra $150 to just, you know, throw into an Android phone, then yeah, I'd probably get the Zen phone nine. But if you had to decide between the Zenfone 9, the OnePlus 10T, and the Pixel 6a, which phone would you go with? Well, for me, it would be the Pixel 6a just because it's such a huge price difference. But the one thing I want to I, I wanna commend Asus for, which is exactly what I just, the opposite of what I criticized OnePlus for, is that when you compare, compare the Zenfone 9 and the ROG phone, they're clearly different they're clearly for completely different markets and completely different people you know it's a small compact powerful phone for people who just need an everyday compact phone and the rog phone is designed to be great for phone gaming it's large it you know has extra cooling it has all this extra stuff but they both have things that people want they both have headphone jacks they both have 
you know, some form of, of high refresh rate screens and quick charging. Whereas with the 10T and the 10 Pro, like I said, I, if I was shopping between those two, I'd be so confused as to what to pick because they're both sacrificing different things that the average person would want. The average person would want a decent camera. They don't want a garbage camera, which, you know, honestly, in the 10T, some of those cameras should not be on there. They're really bad. <laughs> so it, I think that phone would have probably made a better impression if it only had one camera. And, you know, with the 10 Pro, that's an older phone that's $100, $150 more expensive than the 10T, but has a worse chip. So it's like, for me, that doesn't matter. But it's like just the idea of I'm paying more for something that's going to perform worse is just it's a weird product line to have. So, yeah, I, I, I would definitely choose the 6A. But if all prices were the same, uh, I would definitely go for the, uh, the Zenfone 9. I think that's a great design. Once you like you mentioned, all three of those phones use a plastic back. And I think you're right. They've done the best job at implementing pl plastic into the back of the phone. So, yeah, and I. As much as I think the Pixel design is, is better overall out of the three, I do also really like the Zenfone 9 design, especially when compared to the, the OnePlus. So yeah, it's, it's you know, I think it was MKBHD who mentioned that um, the OnePlus 9 just seemed like a very generic yeah. phone. Oh, sorry, the OnePlus 10. Sorry. It seemed like a very generic phone. Um and yeah, I, I kind of agree. It just feels bland and uninspired. And it feels like a product that they made just to release a product. It doesn't seem like there was any thought or care put into it. And I think that's a, a kind of a direction that OnePlus has been taking the past few years. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of care put into their phones, um, which is why I think we were both skeptical, skeptical about the Hasselblad kind of integration because it seemed more like a publicity thing than actual care being put into the cameras which turned out to be relatively true i mean the cameras are okay but not great so yeah I, I think when it comes to what pixel's doing right now and what asus is doing right now there's so much thought being put into these devices that they just are inherently more exciting yeah definitely so our final topic uh is in regards to the hotly discussed instagram algorithm uh, I, I haven't used much Instagram in the past, but from the way that it's been described to me is that, you know, it used to be a great place to catch up with what people are doing, people that you know, people that you follow, you know, get to see their pictures and stuff like that. And then eventually they introduce stories, which is almost like a timeline of photos and videos and captions of what's going on uh, with the people who are in your circle, essentially, on the platform. But, you know, since that that platform has has risen you know they've gotten a quite a bit of competition from other social media uh, uh platforms out there like tiktok and tiktok has exploded with this really well-designed algorithm that will feed you content from creators all over the world making really cool and unique and entertaining stuff uh in short form videos that is designed to keep you on there longer and longer and it seemed like recently instagram made a little bit of decision and it seems like this wasn't just a switch it seems like they were working their way into this over time which i'm kind of curious to get your opinion on but uh it seems like they wanted to introduce more of a spontaneity to the instagram feed and the algorithm 
kind of like what TikTok has, where it's not you're not just seeing people that you regularly uh, expect to see that you're following and who are following you and that you may know in real life, but instead you're getting content from just random, you know, interesting viral videos or you know TikTok style content in your Instagram feed, and that kind of stirred a bit of a backlash. Uh, you know, some people who use the platform very uh, influential people on the platform, I guess we're getting a little bit upset that their content wasn't being prioritized to their followers, which could potentially hurt their pockets in terms of views and, you know, getting subscribed, not subscriber, but uh, sponsored content to all the people that they expect to get it to, because now they're no longer the priority for the platform. The priority is going to be, you know, videos that are performing well and are going to keep people on the platform longer. So yeah, this has been an interesting kind of struggle between social media of TikTok has taken off. Does its competitors try to emulate TikTok and become more like it? Or do they try to double down on what made them popular in the first place? And it seems like a lot of competitors like Instagram are were thinking about potentially going the TikTok way. But unfortunately, that seems to have rubbed a lot of its, its core users the wrong way. Uh, as someone who uses Instagram... Did you notice this change at all? Did it bother you as much as it seemed to have bothered people that I follow? Because like I mentioned, I don't use Instagram, but I can't tell you how many times I've heard uh, this these new kind of algorithm changes complained about. Uh, so I, I kind of thought it was interesting to talk about and get your perspective. So how do you feel about like this whole change that has been going on? I've definitely noticed the change that's been going on, but I don't I do I haven't I haven't personally felt, I guess, negative or positive. Okay. I guess maybe even, you know, more recently, if anything, maybe more positive. Mm. But overall, it's kind of that's how that's how social media platforms are. Right. As you mentioned, you know, they introduce stories, which they stole from Snapchat. Uh, they introduce I can't they introduce a bunch. They introduce a marketplace at one point. I'm not sure if it's still there. They They add stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what all of these places do. Right. Like a new hot social media comes out, whether it's Snapchat, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Clubhouse, whether it's Behance now, like there's always someone new coming out and they're going to have a new feature, which is going to draw people to their platform. And so what do other companies do? They copy it. Everyone copied stories from Snapchat. Everyone copied the clubhouse style audio meeting room, not successful. I think Twitter is the only one who's still doing it, but mm-hmm. everyone copied that. Now everyone's copying TikTok because they are essentially eating everyone's food. The thing with, you know, with clubhouse is it was hot for a while, but then it died off very quickly. I think Facebook has like two point something billion, but TikTok is up to 1 billion and it is the fifth biggest social media platform just by size, mm-hmm. right? It's it's past Twitter. It's past Snapchat. And if you look at how much time people are spending on TikTok, it's way more. Mm-hmm. Now, like, like I said, you know, they've been changing stuff for a while. People have been complaining for a while. But it's funny that as soon as Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian make some posts, they make a petition about, we want... Instagram to be like how it used to be the very next day, the head of Instagram, Adam Masseri made a video 
saying, we've heard our user concerns. You might as well have said, like, yeah, I saw Kylie's post. Uh, you know, we're going to temporarily roll back some of the recent changes we've made, including the, you know, the full screen TikTok experience. But what's interesting, what's, I don't know, what's interesting to me is that Instagram's data shows people are watching videos. People are engaging with videos more. Last week, Wednesday, Meta or Facebook or you know, the parent company of Instagram reported their first quarterly revenue decline as a public company in the history of the company since they've been public. Last quarter was their first revenue decline. And Mark Zuckerberg said that Instagram Reels, so their clone of TikTok, is what is driving user growth and engagement. So a company, first time ever, they're losing money in the quarter. They're saying, hey, our most successful product right now is this thing that we stole or that we're copying from TikTok. You need to steal it. So we are going to promote this because people don't seem to be engaging with photos like they used to. So we're going to post, we're going to promote videos more. And he even said last week, Wednesday, that, hey, we're going to double down on this, on these reels, on these vertical videos, on these short form videos, because this is what the data is showing people want more, but it's, you know, then as soon as Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian say they don't want it anymore, we want pictures, then it's, they want to reverse course. But I don't, I think this is maybe just a little bit of a walk back. And I think they are in fact going to reinvest in it because they have shareholders, they have a bottom line, they have employees. And yes, maybe Kylie Jenner and whoever else is saying that they are unhappy with the state of Instagram. And maybe they are. There's a lot of people that are, but they're not paying the bills. And I'm sure they're on, or I'm sure they are on TikTok also, right? And it's, oh, we want to see, I think their thing is, we want to see cute pictures of our friends. And we're upset that Instagram is promoting all these people that we don't follow. Well, I mean, that's the world that we live in right now. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. And I didn't even know that it was going to be uh, almost like a temporary walk back because this sounds very similar to the way they approached the whole uh, WhatsApp situation where, you know, they were going to merge servers and everything was going to communicate back to Facebook and people got really upset and threatened to leave. And then they're like, oh, you know what, we'll walk that back, you know, we'll and then eventually that just happened and no one really ever talked about it again. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows? That's probably going to be the same situation to ha happen here. And maybe to your point, it's just a really vocal minority that's really upset with these changes. But in the reality, uh, in reality, it looks like potentially there's the majority of its users really enjoying the TikTok style content. And like you mentioned, fueling Instagram's and, and Facebook's growth, which which could be interesting because uh, I, I guess my my other question would be, have you noticed a change in recommendations? Like, have you noticed that it's less of people you know, people you follow and more random stuff? Is that something that's actually happening? Is it something that's happening very frequently? Um, and is it something that's that's negative or or, or positive in your opinion? I have noticed it happening. I personally feel it's something that's negative, mm. but you can disable it. You can turn it off. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anytime you see a post that's from someone that's, it's, it will say recommended because you watch this video or recommended because you like this video and you can click the three dots to the top, right? You can say, 
I don't want to see any more of this. And unfortunately, it will just snooze it for 30 days. So you have a month of not seeing it and then it'll come back and then you have to do it again. There mm-hmm. should be permanent feature. Maybe there is a permanent feature where you can just go and say, I don't want to see any more recommended content. But yeah, it's easy enough to disable or to, yeah, to get rid of for now. So glad I asked because that's out of all the complaints I've heard, I never heard one person mention that there was a quick, you know, method to get rid of it, even if it is for for 30 days temporarily. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a smart middle ground, you know, like it's a situation where it doesn't sound like it's too invasive mm-hmm. to do, uh, even if it is only temporary. But yeah, I think that's actually a, a really cool thing to know. So I guess if you're Facebook right now, and you're going to navigate the situation of, you know, this TikTok style content and recommended content is what's fueling your platform right now. But you also hear a lot of this, this backlash towards it, including from some of your top creators. Do you think that they should just go forward with this eventually, maybe a little bit more slowly, maybe a little less uh, shouting it from the rooftops and a little bit more integrating it slowly? Or do you think maybe there's some kind of middle ground that they can take in terms of, uh, you know, adding this this content that they really want to show people to become a real TikTok competitor or just be Instagram the way Instagram was was initially meant to be and not grow, which I, it seems like a, a, a weird thing for them to do because they're a platform, they need to grow, they need to change, right? Yeah, I think what they should do is slowly bring it back in. Mm-hmm. And like you said, don't shout it from the rooftops because at the end of the day, if they aren't profitable, there won't be an Instagram. If they aren't profitable, there won't be an Instagram that you like or that you dislike. Mm-hmm. Because, and it's not even because of TikTok, right? It's TikTok is just fulfilling a need that people had. They just happen to be the first ones to do it. They just happen to be the best ones to do it. But if TikTok didn't come out, I'm sure someone else would have come out with this, you know, vertical short form video with a good recommendation algorithm. Someone else would have came out with it and then Instagram would have copied them and YouTube would have copied them, right? So it's what people want. It's what people are interested in. Maybe don't be as aggressive with promoting stuff to people. Maybe make it easier for people to only see content from the people that they follow in a separate section where it's, all right, now show me, you know, stuff from everyone and anyone yeah that has a phone maybe they need a better separation between that or a better opt-in and opt-out i think that might be that might help them out a lot but if you're a company and it's we started with this and our competitors are doing this and our users are leaving us for our competitors well we have to offer what our competitors offer because if we don't that we're not going to have a platform anyways, and we're going to have to fire everybody and close the company mm-hmm. down. And that's not really an option for, for anyone, mm-hmm. right? You can say, oh, I want Instagram to be more like Instagram. Well, unfortunately, the people that follow you want Instagram to be more like TikTok. So it's, they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. So they have to do whatever they have to to keep the lights on. But that being said, it doesn't need to completely become TikTok. There is... You know, people still use Instagram for a reason. People still flock to Instagram for a reason. If there is one company, I think they should copy YouTube. Mm. And simply because no one else pays creators the way that YouTube does. Nobody. Not 
well, definitely not Twitter. They're even paying themselves. Um, <laughs> not Twitter, not Instagram, not Snapchat, not TikTok. No one else pays creators. No one else shares their ad revenue with creators like YouTube does, which is why no matter how big you get on any platform, every creator is going to try and bring their users or their fans, their followers, subscribers, whatever you want to call it. They're going to try and bring them over to YouTube because, yeah, you could get a billion views on a TikTok, but you will get pennies from TikTok compared to what you would get from YouTube. Same thing. You get a billion views on an Instagram reel. You're not going to see anything from that. Yeah. Whereas if you get 100,000 views on a YouTube video, that's decent money that you're making, right? If Instagram really wants to compete with TikTok, they don't even have to match what YouTube is doing. Just do better than TikTok. Because if you do better than that, if you give the creators more incentive, then the creators are going to leave TikTok. And they're going to jump over to Instagram. And then if the creators leave TikTok, well, then the people that follow them are going to leave TikTok also. Right? But is that going to happen? Probably not. Instagram is probably too far along to start splitting revenue with its creators now. And if they're all, if Meta is already losing money, I don't think they can, I don't know. I, I would say they should, but maybe they can't necessarily afford to give creators more money. But yeah. I think... If they keep on, if they keep on copying what TikTok is doing, and it's simply just following whatever they do, I think they're going to lose out to TikTok. Yeah. Uh, any closing statements? Um, well, honestly, speaking of of, I guess Meta and Facebook's trouble, um, I don't know if you've seen. Uh, I'm kind of curious how you feel they might be doing with the metaverse right now, and if. Maybe this metaverse thing might be over because uh, recently in the news, uh, they announced that they're going to increase the Quest price, the Oculus slash MetaQuest, by $100, which is going to be now $500 instead of $400 that it was before. And, you know, it used to regularly go on sale and, and be relatively cheap, uh, $399. It was a great starting point to encourage people to get into VR and to encourage people to get into the metaverse. We know that you know, Facebook and Meta are working on some more uh, high-end headsets, you know, some new projects, Project Cambria, that's supposed to be coming out pretty soon. But this stuff is sounding like it's getting pretty expensive and it doesn't seem like Meta is worth, uh, willing to take a hit on the prices of these things anymore. Do you think this could be like the first nail in the coffin to the end of this whole Metaverse uh, attempt that Facebook slash Meta has been trying to do for the past few years? Um, I think their first nail in the coffin was them changing their name to Meta. <laughs> I think it's, yeah. But, I mean, to your question, this is, yeah, this is a very big deal. The biggest problem with Metaverse, the Metaverse and everything, is adoption, right? Yeah. There isn't an easy entry point into the metaverse i'm doing air quotes for anyone who can't see me no one can see me um yeah it's it's not easy to get into it's not easy to join to be a part of right and that's kind of it's hard to build a platform that nobody can get to it doesn't matter how great the graphics are 
doesn't matter how you know how fast your your servers are it doesn't matter all the functionality oh you can bring your nfts in and you can like all the stuff you could do in it if no one can get to it like the thing that makes thing that makes these social media platforms so engaging so easy is it's on your phone yeah right tiktok you're it's literally with you everywhere you go most people some people i guess don't carry their phone everywhere it's with you everywhere you go and it's always it's always there it's always just one you know swipe away and then hey you're on their app you're on their platform you're 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 using their their social media platform but with meta and their metaverse one it's a lot harder to get you know to get going on a a headset because you don't carry that with you everywhere and there's a lot of times where you need to have it hooked up to a computer or hooked up to some sort of system right it's not self-sustaining that's one hurdle two not everyone has it and if you make it more expensive it's going to be harder for people to get it you know we don't know necessarily what their roadmap is maybe they are coming out with a, a low entry cost one but from what we've seen from all the leaks and all the rumors and everything we've seen they're coming out with more expensive versions of it so if you're troubling if you're having trouble selling your entry level one to the point that you have to raise the cost of your entry level one that's yeah that's definitely a bad sign yeah right and the thing we've said right video game console consoles have always kind of been sold at a loss. Not a huge loss, maybe, you know, maybe if anything, they're breaking even where they when they sell consoles, but it's you're making money back on the games and the microtransactions that you sell in those games. So I don't know if maybe Meta is taking too big of a loss with their with their products. So they're saying, hey, maybe we're expecting more people of Will have bought these headsets by now, so we could have sold more games and we could have had more microtransactions within said games. Maybe they're just too far behind, so now they're trying to recoup their losses. But until there is an easy entry into the metaverse, whether it be setup-wise or price-wise, it's never going to happen. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it, though? Do you? Do you see this as an end to the metaverse or is it just a, a hurdle? Uh, at this point, I don't know. But what I do know is that I think Meta made a mistake. Um, you know, you mentioned, you, you laughed about, you know, when they changed their name. But I, I completely agree with you. I, I think that was them jumping the shark um, and putting the cart before the horse. You know, a bunch of analogies or metaphors or whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, they they sold a bunch of these quests because they were affordable. And that's what gave hope that maybe this metaverse could be a thing because they had such a lead over everyone else. With them raising the price here, to me, is a showing that, you know what, they're not doing that great. <laughs> and it just goes to show, like, with this Instagram news, with the WhatsApp news, with whatever it is, it shows that Meta as a company and Facebook as a company has been struggling. And maybe going all into something as aspirational as the metaverse and focusing on that was probably the wrong move. But who knows? Maybe 10 years from now, we could be saying the exact opposite and they could be the, the Google, the next Google, where they're what you think of when you think of uh, metaverses, like you think of Google now, as you think about search engines, you just think Google. But at this point, I don't see that happening. I think they, they've clearly jumped the shark and 
Uh, I think they need to refocus the company into, you know, offering people what they actually want and not whatever they're doing right now, which is, I don't even know who's making decisions at this point. <laughs> yeah. Let's take it easy, everyone in podcasting. Catch you in the next episode.